Today on the Matt Wall Show, we finally descended upon Loudoun County yesterday, my, my new home, to make our voices heard, though the school board threw every possible roadblock in the way. We'll talk about some of those today. But the Loudoun County situation is part of a larger and more important conversation about who exactly should be determining what our kids are taught in schools, the state or the parents. We'll discuss that. Also, the chairman of the Cho Joint Chiefs of Staff is, asking is asked why he won't resign for his failures in Afghanistan. His answer is less than sufficient, I think. Greta Thunberg babbles incoherently and receives raucous applause. And a black teacher in California is not pleased with the special gift basket she was given for being black. And then Will Smith says that his open marriage with his wife is perfect and loving and beautiful. And somehow I doubt that. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Wall Show. Well, when I set out on my journey to my new home here in Virginia, uh, you know the first thing I made sure to pack. That was my trusty relief band. I never go anywhere without it. Relief band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraine, hangover, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and provides all-natural relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. The technology was originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now through Relief Band, it's available to the masses. How it works is Relief Band stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of your brain that controls nausea, that blocks that signal uh, and uh, that, that your brain is sending to your stomach telling you that you're sick. And Relief Band is the only over-the-counter wearable device that has been used in hospitals and oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting. And I tell you this thing, really does work. Ensure that nausea is never the reason to miss out on life's important moments. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for Matt Walsh listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code Walsh, you'll receive 20% off, plus free shipping and a no-questions-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use promo code Walsh for 20% off. Well, it was a long time coming, not weeks, but really years in the making, as I have uh, revealed to you in some vulnerable and emotionally honest moments on this show recently, that I have long desired to be a resident of the state of Virginia. I've always felt deep down that I, I really was Virginian, even back when I was living a lie, identifying with the state that was assigned to me at birth. But finally, yesterday, I was able to make the official transition and become a legal resident of Virginia when I signed a lease to rent a woman's basement for uh, $1 a month. It was a little more than I wanted to spend, but I decided to splurge a little bit, and it was worth it because I'm now at peace with myself. I feel at home in my body and in my state. And even more importantly, yesterday we had our rally at the Loudoun County School Board in protest of their radical indoctrination of the kids in the district. Uh, the turnout was incredible. The energy in the crowd made it feel even bigger than it already was. Uh, unsurprisingly, also, none of the opposition showed up. After sending me threatening messages for weeks, I, I showed you some of that some of the things they were uh, saying to me, some of the threats they were making, they all chose to stay home, cooking up their next batch of mean tweets and disgruntled emails, I guess. And this is a common theme for people on that side. They'll confront you online. Maybe they'll confront you in real life if they can be confident that they'll have you entirely outnumbered. But outside of that, they prefer to stay hidden in the shadows and insulated. And this is especially true of the Loudoun County School Board itself. I did end up speaking before the board, and we'll play that clip in a moment. But consider the hoops we had to jump through just to earn an audience with the royal majesties on the school board. As has been much publicized, they required proof of residence. No problem for me as a man who has been a Virginia resident since you were in diapers. I mean, if you're currently still an infant, then that would be true. 
Um, we had to also present, uh, you know, we had our, our proof of residence we had to present outside the building. Then they also demanded that we show our IDs as well. And then next, we had to empty our pockets and undergo a TSA-style security screening. Already the process to speak at a school board meeting, a public school school board meeting, is far more involved and far more secure than the process to vote. And the whole thing felt quite racist to me, frankly, because uh, it certainly would be called racist if they required all of that outside of a voting booth. And we aren't done yet, because next we were ushered into the mostly empty building. And I also have to say, the building where the school board in Loudoun County does its business is enormous, like the size of the Pentagon. Um, no spectators were allowed to sit inside the room with the school board. No one, no one could be in the presence of their highnesses. No one in the public was permitted to attend the public meeting. Some media were allowed inside, but most were outside the building. And we were then told to stand, once we got inside, we were ushered along, we were told to stand in certain marked areas, six feet apart, single file, waiting for our name to be called. At which point we would have exactly 60 seconds to give our comment. At 60 seconds, a buzzer sounds and the mic is cut off. And for a final indignity, and the thing that I hated the most, you had to wear a mask. No mask, no mic. That was the policy. All of this, again, to speak at a school board. Of course, as we're standing in the hallway, waiting to be brought before the royal court, we could hear one peasant subject after another get up there, barely articulate a complete thought before being buzzed and kicked out of the room. The school board said, before my arrival, the school board said that, that, um, that I was an outside agitator and they didn't want me there because they really wanted to hear from the parents of Loudoun County and other community members. Well, that's kind of funny because if they really wanted to hear from the community, they have, a, they have an odd way of showing it. They want to hear uh, from the community for exactly 60 seconds apiece, to be specific. Which means, of course, that they don't want to hear at all. Because unless you're a very polished speaker and you do these things professionally, you will not be able to say anything of substance in one minute put on the spot like that. The people who go to school boards, for the most part, are not professional speakers. It shouldn't have to be. That's what made the whole thing a farce. Though that isn't even the worst of it. Standing in line with the other community members... I was informed that in the past, the school board has set the time limit for public comment to 30 seconds. That's only enough time to basically tell the school board to kiss your ass, which the next time they set it to 30 seconds, that's exactly what every person in line should do. They should have 300 people signed up and every single person just get up there and say, you know what, kiss my ass. Anyway, finally, it was my turn with 60 seconds on the clock and a mask muzzling my face. And uh, here's what I had to say. I would thank you all for allowing me to speak to you tonight, but you tried not to allow it, yet here I am. Now, you only give us 60 seconds, so let me get to the point. You are all child abusers. You prey upon impressionable children and indoctrinate them into your insane ideological cult, a cult which holds many fanatical views, but none so deranged as the idea that boys are girls and girls are boys. By imposing this vile nonsense on students to the point even of forcing young girls to share locker rooms with boys, you deprive these kids of safety and privacy and something more fundamental too, which is truth. If education is not grounded in truth, then it is worthless. Worse, it is poison. You are poison. You are predators. I can see why you try to stop us from speaking. You know that your ideas are indefensible. You silence the opposing side because you have no argument. You can only hide under your beds like pathetic little gutless cowards hoping we shut up and go away. But we won't. I promise you that. Thank you for your time, and I'll talk to you again very, very soon. Now, there's more that could have been said, obviously, but those were the bullet points. The spectacle inside the building was uh, pathetic and, and pitiful in, in many ways because of all of this, all of these, uh, these uh, roadblocks and everything that were, that were put in our way. But it was also a, a good sign in another way. 
because the board was doing all of this because they're scared and they're scared and they should be scared because they realize that they no longer have free reign to do whatever they want to do, enact whatever policies they want to enact, impose their value system on kids without pushback or consequence. And that's what this whole debate is really about, if you can call it a debate with the way they've set it up. It was actually, it was thrown into sharp relief during the Virginia gubernatorial debate, which as it happens was taking place during the meeting, not far away. So, so not far away from where, where we were, they were having the um, gubernatorial ba- debate between Terry McAuliffe and Glenn Youngkin. And when the topic of education came up, Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat, had this to say. Listen to this. The parents had to write to veto bills, veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it, also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually you take books out and make their own decisions. You vetoed it. So... Yeah, I stop the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. But, you know, I get really tired of everybody running down teachers. I love love our teachers. And what they have done through COVID, these are real heroes that deserve our respect. And you keep running them down. Yeah, some some teachers are heroes. That's true. I, I talked to a few of them yesterday. Teachers with moral courage who stand against the abuse and the indoctrination of children. They're heroes. Teachers in general, though, are just people. Some of them are heroes. Some of them are simpering cowards and lazy do-nothings who got a year off of work and still wanted more. Some are propagandists and partisans. Some are much worse than that. So it's a mixed bag. But what you can't do is put everybody into the bag and label the whole bag heroes. More to the point, McAuliffe says that parents shouldn't be telling teachers what to teach. Well, then who should be telling them what to teach? Who, who should be deciding ultimately what kids are taught, what they learn, what values are instilled? This is not a question about the rights of teachers. It's not, a, it's not a question about teachers at all. This is a question about who should have the primary authority over children. And there are really only two possible answers to that. At least there are only, there are only, there, there are only two that are ever given. It becomes a binary choice. It's either going to be the state or the parents. McAuliffe says the state. The Loudoun County School Board certainly thinks the answer is the state. More specifically, they think the answer is them personally as representatives of the state. So that could be your answer, that the state has ultimate authority over children, which again is what this is about. Who is in charge of children? Another way of putting it is, Who do the children belong to? First and foremost. On earth, anyway. You know, as as, uh, believers, we would say that the the children belong to God, first and foremost. But who who has God um, given that authority to on earth? Who, Who has God primarily entrusted those children to? The state or the parents? And we know that the state has been raising its hand for decades and saying, no, 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 it's us. It's us. Give give us your kids. And for a very long time, parents were happy to just, even if they didn't agree, to sort of go along with that and usher their children into the arms of the state and say, hey, treat them well now. I'll, I'll, I'll trust you to have their best interests at heart. Now I think people are finally waking up to the truth. And that is a, a very good thing. Now let's get to our five headlines.
You know, if you spend time on the internet, as we all do, of course, because that's where you are right now, you should know that uh, you are potentially vulnerable. And that's why you need LifeLock. Payment apps, even like, you know, Venmo, Cash App, and others make payments easy, but you may want to adjust your privacy settings to prevent them from sharing your personal information. A recent report found that payment apps share user data with third parties, such as banks, fraud monitoring services, and some even share it with marketing firms. That's just one example of the ways that uh, people can get a hold of your information. And another reason why, again, you need LifeLock. Every day we put our information at risk on the internet in an instant. A cyber criminal could harm what's yours, your finances, your credit, your reputation. And that's why it's so good that we have LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats, uh, things that you may not know about or may not have access to, information you may not have access to unless you have LifeLock. You also have access to a dedicated restoration specialist if you do become a victim. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can keep what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com Walsh. That's LifeLock.com Walsh for 25% off. Well, a little bit of uh, personal news and s- sad family news, in fact, I have to tell you about, um, unfortunately. We, we did suffer uh, a tragedy in our home because we, uh, we finally got a dog. And I've, I've told you that I've been with, trying to withstand this pressure campaign from my wife and my kids. And I, I, I stood up to it for as long as I could. Okay? I, I endured it for as long as I possibly could. But finally, I, I gave in. And we've now adopted some kind of dog. I don't even know what this beast is that's in our house. I don't even know what kind of dog it is. It's just there hanging out. And, uh, it, you know, for, for the most part, it hasn't been as bad as I expected because the dog's pretty calm. Um, he doesn't jump on the furniture so far. He doesn't, he doesn't like chew pillows and stuff like that. Uh, although really, if you started chewing pillows, I think I'd be fine with that because we have way too many of those in the house. That might be a good thing. But the worst thing about having the dog so far is that is that uh, we have become the sort of family, and when I say we have become the sort of family, this is really like 100% my wife, but we become the sort of family where that, that takes 20 pictures of the dog every day and like sends it around to family members in group text messages. Oh, look what our dog did. Look what our dog just did. Isn't this cute? I'm looking at all these text messages my wife is sending with pictures of the dog, and I'm thinking to myself, what have we become? I don't recognize this anymore. And maybe there's a little bit of jealousy too, because I've, I, I'm getting this feeling like I've been replaced by the dog in some ways. Like the other day, just on Sunday before I left, uh, the kids were going to the park and, uh, and I wasn't able to go because I had to finish up some work. And they came to me and they said, dad, are you, are you, are you, able, are you coming to the park? And I said, well, I, I can't because I got to finish some work. And they said, oh, it's, oh, okay. Well, can the dog come? I said, yeah, the dog can come. Yay! And they just ran off. What do you need dad for when you got the dog? It's a tragedy. This is what we are now. All right. So the chairman of the Joint Chiefs uh, of Staff, General Mark Milley, testified before the Senate Armed Services Committee. Tom Cotton asked him the question that we've all had, which is why hasn't he resigned, given that the Afghan Afghanistan withdrawal was a, was a tremendous disaster that killed, uh, resulted in the deaths of, of many people, not even counting the seven children and three uh, adults who were murdered via drone strike with claims that they were terrorists, and it turns out that they weren't. So why is this guy still in a position of power? Why hasn't he resigned? Here's his answer to that question. As a senior military officer, um, 
Resigning is a really serious thing, and it's a political act if I'm resigning in protest. My job is to provide advice. My statutory responsibility is to provide legal advice or best military advice to the president, and that's my legal requirement. That's what the law is. Um, the president doesn't have to agree with that advice. He doesn't have to make those decisions uh, just because we're generals. And it would be an incredible act of political defiance for a commissioned officer to just resign because my advice is not taken. This country doesn't want generals figuring out what orders we are going to accept and do or not. That's not our job. The principle of civilian control of the military is absolute. It's critical to this republic. In addition to that, just from a personal standpoint, you know, my, my dad didn't get a choice to resign at Iwo Jima. And those kids there at Abbey Gate, they don't get a choice to resign. And I'm not going to turn my back on them. Uh, I, I'm not going to resign. They can't resign, so I'm not going to resign. There's no way. Yeah, that kind of misses the point, doesn't it? I mean, that's 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 not the that's not the point. We're not we're not saying that you should resign in protest. Okay, we're we're saying it's not it's not that you should resign in protest because other people screwed up and you're upset about it. It's that you screwed up, and that's why you should be gone because you're incompetent. And much of what's happening right now is your fault. So it's, I feel like someone had to clear that confusion up for him. Um, <clears throat> similar confusion here. Political controversy. I'm reading now from the from the Daily Wire. It says Republican Governor Kristi Noem on Tuesday slammed the media for trying to destroy her children following a report from the Associated Press claiming that Noem engaged in a conflict of interest, a claim the governor's office uh, has denied as a wholly political attack. The Associated Press reported on Tuesday, just days after a South Dakota agency moved to deny her daughter's application to become a certified real estate appraiser, Governor Kristi Noem summoned to her office the state employee who ran the agency, the woman's direct supervisor, and the state labor secretary. Noem's daughter attended too. Cassidy Peters, then 26, ultimately obtained the certification in November of 2020, four months after the meeting at her mother's office. Peters told the AP, my upgrade to become a certified residential appraiser was very lengthy and I was expected to navigate through many obstacles from the very beginning. I'm glad I have it now and that I have the privilege to serve my clients in South Dakota. Uh, so this is... This is the claim, anyway, from, from the Associated Press, that Christy Nome used the power of her office to get this position for her daughter. So some, some nepotism there. And if, if it's true that she did this, and I don't know if it's true or not, there would be quite a lot of irony and hypocrisy in that because you know, this is the same woman who has refused, for example, to step up and prevent employers from firing employees in the state if they're not vaccinated. And she and she she refused to um, prevent you know colleges from allowing bo- men onto the onto the female sports teams. Uh, she went along with the trans agenda. And the re- and the reason she did all of that, or she didn't do any of that rather, is because she she felt that it would be an inappropriate use of state power, and it would be it would be wrong for her to use her power in that way. That's that was the reason she gave. So if she's saying that it would be an inappropriate use of state power to stand up for the rights of the citizens of her state, and yet she's using her power in this way, that would be, there would be quite a lot of irony and hypocrisy in that. But this, is where, this was her response. Um, she says, posted this to Twitter, she says, listen, I get it. I signed up for this job, but now the media is trying to destroy my children. The story is just another example of the double standard that exists with the media, going after conservatives and their kids while ignoring liberals. 
Hashtag ask the big guy. Now, I'm just looking if there's more to this because that, first of all, that's not exactly a denial, is it? I don't see that as a denial. And also, it once again purposefully misses the point. Just like with Mark Milley. No, we're not saying you, that you should resign in protest of other people screwing up. We're saying that you're the screw up. You're the incompetent. You're unfit for the office, and that's why you need to be gone. In this case, no, no one's attacking your, your child, who's an adult, by the way. Uh, what They're attacking you. They're saying that you acted inappropriately. So if you use the power of your office in this nepotistic way to secure a position for your daughter, and we say we disapprove of that, we're not attacking your daughter, as you well know. So I don't know if this is true or not. I, I, of course, I can't, I can't say that. But it does make me kind of suspicious that this was Christy Noem's response. There's no denial in it. And she's intentionally missing the point. That, that always makes me suspicious. Because Joe Biden, as she references in the hashtag, I'm sure if I went back and looked, I could see examples of Christy Noem criticizing Joe Biden because of the Hunter Biden stuff. I don't know that for sure, but I'm going to guess that I could. And what has been Joe Biden's response to all the criticisms of how he allegedly used the power of his office to secure favors and positions for Hunter Biden? His response has been, stop attacking my family. You're attacking my kids. My precious little child, my, my little boy who's in his 50s or 40s or whatever. So she's using the exact same approach here, which just makes me suspicious. Uh, I'm also suspicious of this person, Stephanie Grisham, reading now from The Hill. It says, former White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham claimed in a new book that she sought to shield a young female aide from former President Trump after he at one point invited her to his Air Force cabin to look at her. Grisham writes in her new book, I'll Take Your Questions Now, set to be released on October 5th, that she tried to keep a young female aide away from Trump after the former president repeatedly invited her up to his Air Force One cabin including one time to look at her and used an expletive to describe her rear end. Grisham also writes that Trump told her to promote the aid and keep her happy, uh, according to the New York Times, which received a manuscript of Grisham's book. And I'm not even going to go on reading that because I, because I don't really care. This is always my problem with these tell-all books after the fact. If you have a bunch of deep, dirty, dark secrets that you can tell, and you held on to all those secrets and you continued working for this person for years just so that once they're out of power, you could write your tell-all book and get a big advance and make a lot of money off the royalties, then I'm automatically going to be suspicious of, of, of that as well. And the other interesting thing about these, um, these revelations about Donald Trump, we, we've seen so many tell-all books about Donald Trump with either anonymous revelations, people who claim to be so deeply concerned about what Trump did and, and, and when he was off in office and all of his alleged abuses of power, yet they remain anonymous. They won't put their name behind the accusations. Or people who wait until they're gone. They work for Trump for years, oftentimes wait until they're fired, and then they come out with the tell-all. Um, but what you find is that, is that uh, most of the time, these accusations and these revelations, if they're even true, do not at all live up to what you would expect, given what the media tells us about Donald Trump. Donald Trump, they, they tell us that he's, a, he, he's literally Hitler. 
He's a dictator. He's evil incarnate. This power-mad megalomaniac, a threat to our republic, a threat to democracy. I mean, they, they, again, put him on, they very explicitly put him on par with the great monsters of history. Pol Pot, Hitler, Stalin. I'm not even sure if they would call Stalin a monster at this point. Uh, but, and then, and then, uh, and then Donald Trump goes, goes right in that same, that unholy Mount Rushmore, I suppose. And yet, in the, all of these tell-all books and all these revelations, all we ever really hear is about Donald Trump saying, being kind of a jerk and a jackass and a bore and being a, a pig, allegedly, using inappropriate language. That's the most we ever hear. At worst, that's who Donald Trump is, which is what I kind of expected him always to be. You never get the kind of revelations that live up to the, uh, live up to the billing from the Democrats. All right, next, Greta Thunberg was speaking at some kind of another climate summit. So we've got a, basically there's a new climate summit every week, every two weeks. And this was Youth for Climate. And uh, Greta Thunberg, I thought, made a very eloquent case for protecting the environment. Listen to this. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. This is not about some expensive, politically correct, green act of bunny-hugging or blah, blah, blah. Build back better, blah, blah, blah. Green economy, blah, blah, blah. Net zero by 2050, blah, blah, blah. Net zero, blah, blah, blah. Climate neutral, blah, blah, blah. That's where we are now. That's the point we've reached. Where Greta Thunberg can get up in front of an, an audience a crowd of hundreds of people, and literally just say, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and that becomes an applause line. That was an actual applause line. In fact, I think the, the, the transcript there, she said, planet blah, 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 blah. What? what? That doesn't mean anything. But that, of course, means nothing. And that was a rousing applause line from the people in the, in the audience. This, this is one of the things that sometimes makes me want to become, you know, a leftist because you, it's, it's very easy to impress people when you're speaking to that crowd. A very, a very easily impressed crowd. Very easy to pander to. You don't even have to say words anymore. You can just stand in front of there. You know, I do a lot of public speaking. Uh, you know, I give a lot of, a lot of speeches and um, I, I always feel this pressure, this enormous pressure, you know, you're standing in front of a crowd to say something meaningful I'll, I'll actually write like real words onto a, a page, and I'll, and I'll, you know, I'll read the words. But to be able to stand there and simply say blah blah blah, and that's your speech—that is pretty amazing. Here's a video that's gone viral, thanks as always to the iconic libs of TikTok Twitter account. Except this isn't a lib; this is a black teacher from California. Uh, I think this is this video is from a couple of months ago, I think, and because she's no longer a teacher anymore, she's left. But she's doing an unboxing video, as the kids call it, showing us uh, what gift her school district gave to her and it would seem all of the black educators. This is the, the little gift basket they were given. Watch. Last year, I went to go pick up this gift from the district thinking maybe it's a, I was already pretty insulted by it, but I wanted to see what it was. And so I went and picked it up from the district because we were, of course, teaching online the whole year. And I... Um, 
I got this, I picked up the gift, and here it is right here. Um, in it was, of course, the Black Educators Matter mask, which I would n never wear in front of my students. Imagine if someone wore a White Educators Matter mask. My God. Patronizing, insulting, degrading. This is why I always say as a, you know, I know that as a, as a white man, the left hates me. I'm, I'm the, as a, as a white quote unquote cis man, um, I'm the villain, right? I'm the uber villain and I understand that. And, but I would, I would much rather be in that position and be treated that way than be infantilized like this. I really think in a lot of ways I have it better. I would, I would rather just be insulted and have you tell me that, uh, that I'm a scumbag and I'm a horrible person. That to be treated like a, like a, like a, a dumb child, infantilized and degraded. But it has this, because it has the same effect in the end. It's just as insulting. But at least with me, they're going to be pretty straightforward about it and just say, we hate you, you're horrible. Okay, good. Fine. Um, and also we've got this. I don't know if you're ready for some comedy, but check this out from Stephen Colbert's show. This, I'm not sure when this aired. We'll only play. There's, there's, there's not a, a, a big audio component of this, so we'll only play a few seconds of it. But this was, a, I guess, a comedy bit on Stephen Colbert's show where they, he, he brings on a bunch of people dressed like giant vaccine needles and they dance through the crowd doing the cha-cha to a, a song about the vaccine. Just watch this. So let me tell you my my conspiracy theory. This this is my this is my this is my preferred conspiracy theory. Uh, when I see videos like that, which I guess I can only assume based on context, the context of this being on a late night alleged comedy show, I can only assume that there are that they are trying to accomplish two things with that with that bit. Uh, one is they're trying to be funny, I guess. Again, I can only assume. And also, they're, they're trying to promote the vaccine. But when I see this, and I see really every effort that's been made to promote the vaccine by the media, by Hollywood, by government, by the Biden administration, and, and, and almost all of them are as cringy-inducing as that or worse. When I see that, I think you know this is all part of a plan to make people more vaccine-hesitant. This is, this is not much of a conspiracy theory. I think it's just become an, an obvious conclusion that we have to draw. 
I watch that and I, I think, well, there's there's no way that they think that that's actually going to reach anybody who hasn't been vaccinated. The only thing you can hope is that the most diehard vaccine cultists will, will see that and maybe they'll be pleased by it and they'll get up and they'll start dancing uh, in their living room or something. But there's just no way that they think that anyone who's vaccine hesitant is going to see that and say, you know what? After seeing these dancing vaccine needles uh, with Stephen Colbert doing the cha-cha down the aisle on a late night show, I think I think it's time. I think I'll go out and get the jab. I think I'll go out and put this. You, you have convinced me to put this substance into my body. I was hesitant about it. I wasn't sure. But now, yeah, I'll do it. It's clearly not going to have that effect. And I don't, I don't believe that they think that. I think they're trying. I, I think they don't want those people to get vaccinated. The unvaccinated, the anti-vaxxers, they provide a good foil. They're, they're a good villain group, a very um, useful villain group for the left and for the media. And they want it to stay that way. And all of their, all of the failed policies that are supposed to, you know, stop the spread of the virus. Every single policy has failed. Going back to 15 days to slow the spread up until now. Um, But now they have a group that they can blame. Even though these policies have been failing all along. And they tell us that vaccinated people are also spreading the virus. That's what they tell us. But it gives them a handy group that they can blame. And I think they want that group to stay there. That's my theory. All right, this is from CNBC. Um, Amazon has announced a home robot called Astro. Astro is equipped with a rotating screen that's mounted onto a base with wheels. Amazon designed the robot to appear animated and friendly with eyes and expressive body movements that respond to user interaction. The robot can move on its own from room to room and is capable of navigating around objects on the floor or breaking to avoid colliding with obstacles such as a pet that moves into its path. A periscope camera attached to the base of the device can be raised or lowered to view objects that are high up. So this is a this is a little robot like R2D2 thing that I guess you're supposed to have in your house and it'll it'll follow you around the house. And it has a camera and it can respond to you and it can also spy on you and see everything in your house, which is the real reason why Amazon wants to put this out there. I just think I see all of these these new innovations, and I and I know, and apparently this is going to be on sale for a thousand dollars, which is less than I thought it would be. It's not on sale yet, but when it is, we all know there's going to be lines around the block to buy this damn thing, and all of the people who are lining up to spend a thousand dollars of money they don't have uh, to to put a a spy robot into their home, along with all the other spy robots they already have in their home, every single one of them, if you ask them. They'll tell you that they are deeply concerned with their privacy and they're very worried about big tech spying on them. Privacy is, you know, you, you go up to that line of people and ask every single one of them, how important is privacy to you? Is, it, is, is, is that a big priority of yours? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very concerned with, with my own privacy. Well, they have an Apple watch on, they're getting the robot to spy on them. They already have Alexa. There's, there's, a, there's a real disconnect there, I think. All right, let's move now to reading the comments. Who's rocking polka dot and flannel shirts without shame? Do you know their name? They're the sweet baby gang. 
And Badger Boy says, quoting uh, one of the women in that news report that we played during the cancellation yesterday, if you don't have a kid at the school, why would you want to testify? Badger Boy says, someone should tell her that the vast majority of school board members do not have kids at the school. They sit on the board for. That's a very good point. That's a point that I, I think I have missed myself and haven't brought up very often. But yes, that's an excellent point. On, on these, these, not just Aladdin County, but school boards all across the country, your own school board. Go take a look sometime and see how, how many of the people on that board actually have kids in the district. Some of them are childless. Some of them have kids that are, have long since grown up. I mean, oftentimes they'll have, they'll have kids, school-age kids, but they put their own kids in private school. Uh, and uh, King of Cali says, Matt's first job was retrieving carts. His disgust with people leaving their carts makes sense now. Yeah, that is my, that's my origin. That's my villain. Oh, no, that's my, no, that's my superhero origin story. Because I am a superhero when it comes to carts anyway. That is a real, that is, that is where I think I demonstrate heroism in my life. Um, and another comment says, Matt trying to camouflage with his hotel surroundings is actually quite an endearing quality, despite it being aesthetically jarring. Uh, my style choices, I mean, endearing is a word you could use for them. I've heard, I've heard many other words that are not quite as complimentary, but thank you for that. Uh, SP2 says, Matt, between this and Abuela, you've reached legend trolling status. Well, I th- well, thank you. Thank you for that. And I will tell you that when it comes to, to that, we've got more where that, is, where that comes from. We're upping the ante. I can't say anything else other than that, but just stay tuned is all I'm going to say. And EJ says, I like how Matt is bragging about the fact that he's Virginian now, like it's some sort of badge of honor. It is a badge of honor. Okay, EJ, when it's your truth, okay, when it's, when, it's, when it's something that you've wanted deep down in your bones for as long as you can remember to be a, a resident of Virginia, it is something to brag about. Thank you very much, and you're banned from the show. Uh, Scott says, I hope Matt isn't going to wear skinny jeans to the school board meeting because the people behind him won't be able to listen to him without being distracted if he is. Well, Scott, I don't wear skinny jeans, so you're banned from the show. But uh, also, there was nobody behind me in the school board meeting because they don't let the public. Remember, they don't let the public into the building to actually hear the comments. You don't have to worry about that at all. Uh, And finally, Crystal says, Matt, you should start a side gig as a consultant. People could contact you if they get Karened before they make a statement on their social media. You could call yourself the sweet baby justice warrior. Uh, I don't think anybody would hire me as a PR consultant, but I will tell you that I think most PR consultants are, are... terrible at their job because they want to keep their job. And so, you know, the real PR advice to, for, for many people who find themselves in the middle of, of some big controversy and the, you know, the, the social media mobs coming after them, the lynch mobs coming after them, in, in many cases, what they should do, especially if it's a public figure, all you have to do is say nothing at all. Just remain quiet and wait for it to go away and then pretend it never happened. Because the mob almost always moves on to the next target. That's the one thing you have going in your favor. Is that, yeah, it's overwhelming in the moment. But these people have the memories and the attention span of fruit flies. And they're going to move on to the next target. So just don't say anything. But I think PR consultants, if they give that advice, if they give the advice of, oh, don't say anything. Then it's like, what do we need you for? So they have, they have to... You know, they have to justify their jobs by crafting some sort of statement and say, here's what our strategy is going to be. 
So if I was a PR consultant, that's all I would say. I'd charge you $1,000 and I would say, okay, good, just don't say anything. And you'll be fine. Now, I consider myself to be something of a fitness guru. Uh, that might be overstating it dramatically. Maybe not a fitness guru, but I do think it's important to stay in good shape. And that's why I'm very happy to have Planet Fitness now as sponsors of the show. You can work out your stress and get back to feeling great at Planet Fitness. You can join the judgment-free zone today for just $10 a month and get tons of cardio and strength, uh, and strength of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs. With free fitness training and plenty of room to move, you can go at your own pace and get back to a routine that works for you all for just $10 a month. And that's one of the most important things is to find a routine that works for you and just stick to it. Uh, don't wait. Join any of our 2,000 plus locations today in club, online, or on the app. See club for details. All right, let's get now to our daily cancellation. For our daily cancellation today, we must cancel Will Smith. We could cancel him because he hasn't made a good movie in 20 years, but his filmography isn't the topic of contention today. Our focus now is on Smith's recent interview in GQ, where he discusses the beauty and wonder of being in an open marriage. Will Smith is in an open marriage with his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, though it appears that the marriage was initially opened against his will. Um, the couple infamously sat across from each other for a red table talk on Facebook last year, where they awkwardly, in front of the cameras, discussed an affair that Jada had years before. Um, I've never been able to watch more than a minute of this conversation because the cringe factor is so overwhelming. But just to refresh our memories, here's a, a little bit of that discussion. Watch this. You, during that time, launched into an interaction mm -hmm. with August. What do you feel like um, you were looking for? I just wanted to feel good. Mm -hmm. It had been so long mm -hmm. since I felt good. Yeah. And it was really a joy to just help heal somebody. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with my codependency, which is another thing that I had to learn to break in this cycle. Just mm -hmm. that idea of needing to fix and being drawn to people that need help whether it's your health or whether it's your addictions, mm -hmm. there's something about that childhood trauma mm -hmm. um, that feels as though it can be fixed through fixing people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's one way to put it. She, she was not starting an affair. She was, uh, as Will puts it, launching into an interaction. There's some nice euphemistic language that you might want to try if you're a dirty, rotten cheater caught in the act. Oh, no, honey, I wasn't cheating. I was really just, I was having an interaction. You know, we kind of launched into this interaction. There was an exchange, you might say. Uh, an understanding was reached. A meeting of the minds and, and of other parts. Of course, I'm imagining the cheater making the excuses for themselves here. But uh, actually, Will Smith is the one providing the euphemisms to the wife who cheated on him. And for her part, she's a little bit more direct because he asks, what were you looking for when you cheated on me? And she says, well, I just wanted to feel good. And he says, oh, okay. As if that sheds comforting new light on the situation. But obviously she cheated because it made her feel good. That's why any cheater cheats. It's why any bad person does anything bad. That's the motivating factor behind all sin. You do it because it makes you feel good and you have prioritized feeling good over all other concerns, especially your commitments, your promises, your moral obligations. That's why every bad person does bad things. So that was last year. Now Will Smith is in GQ talking about his free and open marriage and how happy and loving it all is. Reading from the Daily Wire report, it says, 
quote, Jada never believed in conventional marriage, Smith told GQ. Jada had family members that had an unconventional relationship, so she grew up in a way that was very different than how I grew up. There were significant endless discussions about what is relational perfection, Smith recalled. And for the large part of our relationship, monogamy was that cho- cho- uh, cho- choice, not thinking of monogamy as the only relational perfection. The pair have given each other trust and freedom within the relationship, page six noted, uh, since marriage can't be a prison, Will Smith said. Quote, I don't suggest our road for anybody. I don't suggest this road for anybody. But the experiences that the freedoms that we've given one another and the unconditional support to me is the highest definition of love. That was a lot of that was quite incoherent, but hopefully you basically got the idea. The highest definition of love is betrayal, he says. Or rather, it's, it's doing what makes you feel good individually. In other words, the highest love in a marriage is self-interest. That is what Will Smith proposes, and what makes it all the sadder and more pitiable is that you can tell he doesn't really believe a word of what he's saying. This is how these open marriages work. There's usually one member of the couple who feels betrayed and is being betrayed and has to convince themselves that they're not being betrayed. When you listen to the stories of couples in open marriages, you always hear either the husband or the wife say, yeah, you know, my spouse decided that it'd be a good idea for them to sleep with other people. And, you know, I was utterly and completely devastated and destroyed by it at first. But over time, I've learned to accept it. And I'm really so happy now when I'm not locking myself in the bathroom and weeping uncontrollably five times a day. An open marriage is, after all, betrayal as a lifestyle. And betrayal doesn't become any less traitorous just because it's done in the open. That actually makes it worse, if anything. Because now you've enlisted your spouse to be an accomplice in your infidelity. You don't even have the decency to cheat in secret and save them the indignity and the shame of pretending that they're okay with it. An open marriage is also an oxymoron. It's a contradiction in terms. It's like open borders. If you open a border, then it's not a border anymore. If you open a marriage, then it's not a marriage anymore. A marriage, by definition, is closed. A marriage can't be open for the same reason that, you know, you can't build a house without walls or a roof. The walls and the roof are the whole point of the house. Get rid of those, and now you're homeless. A blanket laid out on the pavement is not an open house or a new house or a consensually non-walled house. It's just not a house. It's a non-house. It's literally the opposite of a house. And if we start calling that a house, then we haven't expanded the definition of a house, but instead we've done away with the very concept of a house entirely. And I think that would be a, a very stupid thing to do because houses are very useful things to have, just like marriages. Marriage has its own walls and its own roof, and it's within those walls and under that roof that your family must be formed and maintained. Monogamy is but one of the bricks used to build this structure. Uh, Procreativity is another, which also has been largely abandoned by our culture. But these building blocks are the only things that make a marital union distinct from any other kind of union. They're the whole point of the marriage. To decide on an open marriage is to tear down the walls of your house and take shelter in the rubble. And the fact that the adultery is mutually agreed upon and consensual doesn't make it any less adulterous or any better at all, really. Our culture has developed this idea that, that it's okay to commit an evil action if we're open and honest about it. But that so-called honesty is born from your pride and your lack of concern for how your wickedness will hurt those closest to you. At least a man who hides his affair has acknowledged first that it's base and shameful and second that it's harmful to his family. But somebody who advertises infidelity is is a sociopath with no shame. He's much further from redemption, I think, and his marriage much further from healing than the guy who claims that he's staying late for work so that he can meet his mistress at a Motel 6. I mean, it's all bad in the end, of course. And it's why fidelity is the much better course. That's where you have a real marriage. 
a loving marriage, a marriage that is actually a marriage. And that is why Will Smith today, much like his marriage, I must say, is canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Ali Hinkle. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The Democrat governor of Virginia says parents have no right to educate their kids. Joe Biden yet again moves the goalposts on reopening society. And Joe Biden's generals testify under oath that he lied about the lead up to the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.